Luke chapter number 15. Um, we won't read all of this parable, uh, maybe just the first portion of it, starting in verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. So we'll stop right there. Maybe, I don't know, maybe tonight we may look at the, the latter half of this parable. Often this first half is what gets focused on and uh, I believe the reason for that is everyone that's saved, they have an experience that's like this parable did. And, and we call it the parable of the prodigal. Really, the parable's about the two brothers. It's not just about the prodigal. But so often he gets all the attention because the redemption of God is pattern. Paul himself said he was a pattern uh, unto those that would hereafter be saved. And Certainly here is another. So here's a certain man, he has two sons, and the younger of those sons comes and says, look, what I'm going to inherit, uh, the portion of goods that are mine, I'd like to get my inheritance early so that I can get a head start and enjoy it. Now, first of all, uh, maybe at this time and in this culture it was different. This would be pretty disrespectful if you ask me. Here's a dad, he's still alive, he's still got his goods. He's, it's still the father's goods. And here's the son, he wants the father's goods for himself. And so you think about how man is. In Acts chapter 17, you can look and hear Paul's message at Mars Hill there. And he says that God giveth to all life and breath and all things. God hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, and it's in Him that we live, we move, and we have our being. So if, if you're going to think soberly about our lives that are here, God has given us, according to the Scripture, He's given us life, He's given us breath, and He's given us all things that we have. <coughs> None of it is ours, but it's been given and provided by the hand of God. Uh, and you know, if we're alive today, and I, I believe there's some recognition of this, if we're alive today, we ought to thank God that we're alive today, that we've been able to get up. And the reason is, the life that you have, God's given it. And the bounds of your habitation, the times before appointed, the day that I was going to be born, the day that I'm going to die, that's been determined by God. God has set the bounds on our lives. He's given us all that we have. Every breath, every minute, every moment, every dollar, everything that we've been able to have in this world, God has afforded that unto us and saw fit 
to provide that for us. And you could think of that spiritually as well. Without God providing through His Son, Jesus Christ, there's no means for man to be acceptable with God. God's provided and afforded all of it. And so our life, let's just get down to the, to the brass tacks. Our life is given by God and the truth is it's not ours. It's His. And when He calls for it, when He calls for the Spirit, it's going to go back to God who gave it. There's not a team of doctors. There's not a hospital on the earth that when man's time to die comes can bring life back into a dead body. Life belongs to God. He's allowed you to have everything that you have today. If you have anything, it's because God has given it. And man wants to act like, well, it's mine now, and I'm going to use that as I want to. And there's nobody going to make me accountable for that. It's my life. It's my decision. I'm going to do as I see fit and as pleases me with it. Will you see how this son here, he's saying to the father, I I want my inheritance, and I want to spend it the way I want to. That same disrespect that you see there, now you magnify that times a million, times infinity, and that's the disrespect that man has to a holy God. We want to take that life that is not ours, and spend that the way we see fit with no regard nor thought to the God, to the Father that provided everything that we have. I don't want to have to live around the Father. He says, I want my inheritance. The Father divides up and gives. Look at how the fathers give. Look at how that man is spending his life, his money, every dollar that he gets so often it leads to further and further sin and destruction. Look at how man spends that that he's got to go away from God and to rebel and to sin. Man's taking his life. He's taking his body. He's taking his mind. My God, what a precious thing that it is. The mind can go. The mind's not ours to keep either. My papa's sitting in his living room right now don't know he's at home. It can go. But God's give us mind, a body, life, strength, breath, and all things. And here man is and he says, I'm going to go away from God and I'm going to spend what I've got in sin. I'm going to waste my body. I'm going to waste my mind. I'm going to waste my strength. And I'm going to waste my life and the time that I have. I'm going to waste it in sin and in filth. And I'm not going to think about the Father one time. Do Do you think that's disrespectful? I think that's a pretty easy question to answer. But that's the way man does to God. That's the way the younger son is going to do to the Father. Not many days after. You know what this was? This wasn't a spur of the moment thing. This was planned. He said, I'm going to get what's mine and I'm going to go away from the Father. I'm going to get out of His presence and I'm going to do what I want to and there's nobody going to be down there in this place that's going to tell me how to live. Well, that's well and good. You can do that. You can go and do how you want to. And you can say, I don't want anybody to tell me how to live. But if it was not for the Word of God to bring correction and to lead us to the truth, man's going to stay in this condition and lift his eyes in destruction. See, that's where man's going. Man's on the road not just to a wasted body and a wasted life and regrets, but man's headed for eternal destruction. In hell, separate from God. And it's, it's the love of God that would correct man, bring him to a knowledge of the truth, and bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. He gathered all together, took his journey, and there wasted his substance. Now I think here's a, a picture that's easy to see. Here's a young man. He's got his inheritance. He's not got a big job. He don't have a check coming in. 
but he's got this big sum of money that the fathers give him, and he's going to go and spend it in riotous. That's licentious. That word means unbridled lust. Whatever I want to do, that's how I'm going to spend it. But you know, if, if you don't have any money coming in, every dollar that you spend, what you've got in the pot's getting less and less and less. And that's what he's doing. He's spending his money without, uh, without a bridle, without anything to hinder him. And every dollar that he spends, what he's got to spend is getting less. You know, that's the way man's life is. Man, I tell you, mankind despises to think on it. But every day that you live, the days you've got left are, are drawing to a close. Every breath that we take, the number of breaths that we have left is growing less. And the longer and longer that we spend in sin, the more and more of our life that God has afforded, that God has given, that God has been merciful, we've never deserved it. We've never deserved our life. We've never deserved the goodness. Uh, Frank mentioned the, the very first commandment. No other gods. My God, how, how often do we put things in this life in front of God? You know what the penalty for breaking the commandments were? You know what the penalty was for the man that went out on the Sabbath day and picked up sticks? You know what they did? They stoned him. His life was taken. He was deemed unworthy of his life. You remember what the Lord said to those in John chapter 8? They brought that woman caught in adultery and He said, let him without sin cast the first stone. And they all went away from the eldest to the youngest. You know why they went away? They were all sinners. And what they had, they did not deserve. And man does not deserve the goodness of God that's been afforded him, <clears throat> even naturally speaking. But man has taken that. He's wasting it. He's spending it. Wasting his substance. That's... That's an interesting word, isn't it? It means property. It's what the word means. Property or possessions. So he's taking everything that he's got and he's wasting that with riotous, licentious living. And there's no thought. You can see this young man, he's went away from the father. He's got this lump of sum of money and I would imagine it's a pretty good amount of money. He's got no thought about it ever running out. There's no thought of ever uh, having need here. He's thinking in his mind, I've got enough to enjoy and to live in pleasure and to enjoy every minute of the rest of my life down here in this country. That's the way man is naturally. Man thinks he's going to live forever. Man does not consider a judgment. Man does not consider standing before God. Man goes on in sin. He goes farther and farther away. He continues to waste his life. And he thinks, I'm never going to be held accountable for what I'm doing with what God's given me. It's mine and I'm doing it as I please. I'm spending it how I want to. The only way our inheritance would be ours would be that the Father died. Do you see that? The Father, God the Father, He's not going to die. It'll always be His. And as God has given, so shall it return. You remember that there's another parable about an unjust steward. A steward was somebody that a rich man or a big business owner, you might say a superintendent, you might say a CEO. Here's a man that's got this great company, he's got this great amount of money, he's got this great farm, and he takes somebody and says, I want you to be over this. You can be over the checkbook, you can be over the bank account, you be over the hiring and firing, I want you to run it. But it don't belong to him, does it? It don't belong to the supervisor. And so when the supervisor is doing wrong, you know who he's accountable to? The owner. 
Well, that's what a steward was. He was somebody that was put over somebody else's goods, like Joseph was in Egypt. He was a steward of Pharaoh's kingdom and of Pharaoh's goods down in Egypt. And so we have been made stewards over God's life, His good that He's provided us. We're stewards of that. And God said that unjust steward, He had been doing wrong. He had been taking and and using for His own pleasure. He had been wasting that that was not His. And the master called the steward and said, give an account of your stewardship. You know what that sounds like to me? Judgment. Let me call you before me and I want you to give an account of what you've done with what I've given you. Thou mayest no longer be a steward. You're going to lose your job. I wonder today, if, if today, if God called us to Him today and said, I want you to give an account of your stewardship. And maybe that sounds hard to understand. It's really just this simple, I want you to tell me what you've done with what I've given you. Tell me what you've done and how you've spent what that I've provided you and give an account of how you've spent my goods. I wonder what we would answer to that. Has it been wasted with riotous living? Listen, wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all... Boy, here's trouble. It's running out. If he'd have been, if he'd have been a little smarter, maybe he could have checked the balance every month. You reckon? Maybe he could have counted his money. Man, man, don't think about the spiritual bankruptcy that's coming. No, the day's coming that it's it's all going to be spent. The account doesn't last forever. We're getting it. It's getting lower and lower and less and less. And the day that it's all going to be spent is swiftly coming. And then what is it after this? What comes immediately after this? By the Word of God. It's appointed to men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Now if it really was mine, If I could spend it how I saw fit and it belonged to me, what's God doing judging me? Ain't that what man says? Who are you? Don't judge me. Don't judge my life. Don't judge my sin. Well, I I tell you, we belong to God. We are God's. We will give account to Him for what we've done with His goods. So he had wasted and when he had spent all, listen listen to this scripture. I believe this would be very wise here. This is something this young man didn't do. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse number 9, wrote by maybe my opinion, maybe the richest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. He had everything that he could ever imagine. Solomon. This is what he wrote. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thy heart and in the sight of thine eyes. What's he saying? You better enjoy it because it's running out. Enjoy your youth. But, the end of that verse, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, childhood and youth is vanity. Why is it vanity? Because, my God, ain't it true? It's gone like that. Youth is gone like that. Nine years is gone like that. Where did it go? What have we done those nine years? Look at how fast it's going by. Look at how fast we're spending our life. Look at how little that we've got left. What are we going to do with what's left of our life? What are we going to do with what God has 
given us and provided us. We're going to waste it? I tell you, you think, boy, I've got some time. I've got 10. I've got 20 years. I tell you, you get up to about 35, 40 years old, and 20 years don't sound like much anymore. I tell you, it goes by like that. You get a young'un. And you go to the pharmacy and they ask for his birthday. You realize how fast it's going by. It's going. It's running out. The account's going less. You know what would be wise? Is if we thought in our mind, everything I'm doing, God's going to bring me into judgment for this. I'm going to give an account of what I'm doing with my life and with my time. That'd be a wise thing. It's going to happen. If we believe the Scripture, it's going to happen. So he spent all. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Now, we're going to see some grace here. Maybe it's not evident, but I believe we could see that word, there arose, it means to cause to be or to come into being. Now, there wasn't a famine in this country when he first went down there. There hadn't been a famine in this country his whole life. But when he spends everything he's got, then there arises. Then there comes into being a famine in that land. Where do you reckon the famine came from? Who brought the famine on? Everybody that's, I believe this, everybody that's saved, just like Paul the Apostle said, I was alive without the law once, but the law came, sin revived, and I died. The commandment of God brought a famine, if you'll have it, in his life, a destitution. And so everybody that's saved, that's, that's how this works. Man is spending his life without, with reckless abandonment, with no regard of God. And then all of a sudden, one day, here comes conviction. One day, God passes by and God says, Son, you're a sinner. You're going to have to give account for me. I, <coughs> I can still remember the day that the famine came in my life. Can you? Do you remember the day that God opened your eyes to where you were and what you were and all of a sudden you went from enjoying and doing everything you liked to now you couldn't lay down to go to sleep yeah. without being hungry. Yeah. Oh, he had lived it up. He had been enjoying it. But God's going to empty his belly of pleasure and of fun. That's what the commandment does. We say conviction. I believe that's a great word for it. God convinces. He convicts me of my sin. And no longer am I free and clear, but now I recognize my guilt before Him. So He spent all a mighty famine and He began to be in want, to be deficient, to fall short. That's an interesting word, ain't it? To be deficient or to fall short. I thought that I was pretty good before the commandment came. I thought I was good enough to go to heaven. I mean, I checked some of the boxes off. I'd been pretty decent all my life. And I thought I was doing pretty good. But you know, when the famine came, when the conviction came, I recognized that I was deficient. Let's just start very basic. These Ten Commandments. Very simple. Easy to understand. If we're going to heaven, God requires us to keep those without breaking any of them at any time or at any point. We're going to have to be perfect. Now it doesn't take an old person. It doesn't take a mature person to recognize that I'm deficient of that. But you know what man says? He says, well, yeah, but everybody's deficient. And you know, I'm not as deficient as some other people are. I'm not that bad. But boy, when the famine comes 
and God empties our belly of the pleasure and He convicts us of our sin. There's no enjoyment anymore. Here's a man, you know what he's doing? Most of us, we've been so blessed naturally, we've never went hungry. But when you're hungry and you've got nothing to fill it up with, when you sit down, when you stand up, when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you go to work, when you sit down to rest, everywhere you go, it's there. The pain, the hunger, the desire. God took a sinner and He takes sinners that are living in pleasure and He makes them hungry for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. Here's a son away from his father, away from his family. If you'll have it, here's a son away from the church. And yet God is at work in this young man's life. He brings a famine about. (coughs) He's in want, but look what he does. Now here's the foolishness of man. He doesn't say, well, I'm just going to go back to the father here. But he goes and joins. That word means to glue, to cleave. It's like the same word with Ruth. Ruth clave to Naomi. Well, he's going to go and cleave to a citizen of the far country. He needs some help. He recognizes, you know, I need somebody to lead me and guide me. And in the far country, Satan's always got somebody. And I tell you, in our world today, it's more and more prevalent. There's somebody to encourage you. There's somebody to pat you on the back. There's somebody to tell you, oh, you don't need to worry about that, honey. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to go to heaven when you die. It don't matter. That sin's not that bad. I wouldn't worry about that. In Romans chapter 1, he talks about it, that here's people that not only live in sin, but they have pleasure in others that live there. You know, that's the way our world is today. Encouraging man farther into sin. I wouldn't worry about that judgment today. I wouldn't worry about the church today. I wouldn't worry about trying to serve God today. Just go on and enjoy it, honey. And don't let that bother you. Yeah. That's right. Oh, they're your enemy, ain't they? That's the truth. They're your enemy. They're enemies of your soul that would keep you from the truth of the gospel. And so here's the citizen of the far country. And you know where he sends him? Now we're very disconnected from this. But I would that you could get some glimpse of it. You know that all through the Old Testament, you can see glimpses of it in the New. The unclean animals. Swine was at the top of the list. It's pigs. Hogs. Now you think about how farm animals live... Are there any any nastier than a hog? They'll waller in anything. And they'll eat it. It don't matter what it is. You pour it out and they'll eat it. Not only were they unclean naturally, but to the Jewish person. They were unclean and God said you couldn't eat them. They didn't have them on their property. They didn't have them in the country. They were unclean to God. And that's not something made up either. That's in the law, the Old Testament law. Of God. So where does he send this little boy to, this young man, this younger brother? He sends him out, and I tell you, ain't this the devil? He's going to send him as far and as deep and as filthy as this young man could go. He's going to send him out with the unclean swine and say, I want you to go feed my hogs. But he don't give the man anything to eat. He don't give the young man anything to soothe his hunger. And thank God for that. Thank God that the devil and that the world, they don't have anything that can fix the problem that's inside of man. They've got temporary... There's temporary pleasure. There's enjoyment for a season. But there's nothing that satisfies the hunger of the soul of man outside of God. And thank the Lord for that. If we could find satisfaction in the world, we'd stay in the world. But you know, in Exodus chapter 1, you see the children of Israel. They've been down in Egypt now for 425, 430 years, somewhere in that zone. 
The Bible says, I believe it's verse 6, that they were blessed, they increased, their number increased, they grown mightier. I mean, everything was going good for them in Egypt. And you know, none of them had any desire to go to the promised land in the condition they were in. Life was good. They were well fed. Everything was at ease. It was all going good. Why would we want to leave this place? The next verse says, Then there arose a Pharaoh which did not know Joseph. You know, you know how Egypt got so big? So mighty? How their kingdom grew so greatly? It was Joseph. I mean, he bought land, animals, property, and people in the days of that famine when he was in Egypt. He increased Pharaoh's kingdom greatly. And now here, how could somebody, how could a Pharaoh come along and not know who Joseph was? This was the design of God Almighty. You know what God's going to do? He's going to turn up the heat on His people. He's going to make them miserable in Egypt and a place that they were satisfied to live in one day. The next day they're going to be crying, God, would you bring us out of here? That's where the sun's going to come. The youngest son, he's going to be brought to a place that I've come down here for pleasure. This was my choice to come down here. This is where I want to live. And God is working all things to bring him back to a place that he says, I just want to go to the Father's house. God's doing this work. You talk about grace. And he would feign. That word feign, it's strange to our language. It means to desire or to long for. That's how hungry this man was. He was longing for, desiring the husks that the swine were eating. You know how close he was? I mean, he was thinking, I could eat one of those and it would help me just a little bit. And we're talking... If you're going away from God, here is as far as you can go. Not just in the field with the swine. Not just feeding the swine. But you know, I think I'm going to sit down at the table and I'm going to eat what the swine's eating. I'm going to eat what they're taking part of. Look at how far man goes. Man in his righteousness, in his mind. He says, you know, I'll never do like that. I'll never do what they've done. I'll never say what they've said. I'll never eat what they've eaten. I'll never feed the swine. I tell you, here he is. He's not only feeding them, but he's wanting to eat them. And that's the way man is. Man thinks, boy, I'll never do that. And in just a day or two, there he is. And he's wanting to eat with the hogs. But I want you to know this, folks. A son has no place eating with the hogs. Do you agree with that? He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. No provision, no help. Now this, if you read it fast, you miss it. But in verse 17, and when he came to himself... What's happening here? Well, you see, you might say, well, he snapped out of it. I agree with that. He's came to himself. Here comes a moment of realization. Here's a moment that this young man comes to a place of remembrance and finally some sober thinking in his mind. How does this come to be? Frank already quoted some of the Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, you see man who's dead in sins. He's under the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience even as others. He's going away from God. He's living in sin. He's dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, with His great love wherewith He loved us, by grace are you saved. You know what He done? 
He quickened us together with Christ. <coughs> to quicken, to make alive, to resurrect. You know what God did? God came to sinners that were in sin, that were bound, that were dead, and by His Spirit, He brought them to life. That's what He's saying in Ephesians chapter number 2. Do you see how that happens here in Luke chapter 15? Here's a young man that hadn't had a thought for the Father in the least bit. Here's a young man that sin had, honest to God, sin had drove this man mad. It had taken his reasoning and his thought. His desire for pleasure had led him away from everything that loved him and brought him down to the place that I'm going to eat what these hogs are eating. I'm going to eat the slop with the hogs. And the grace of God stopped him. The grace of God appeared. It brought him to himself. There's a realization. What's he realize? He says, here I am down here in this far country and I'm starving to death and my dad's got a bunch of workers up there and they're super abounding. You know what the workers at the father's house is doing? They sit down to eat dinner and they eat and they've got leftovers. They can't eat all that they've got. He's saying, what am I doing down here? Do you remember... When that day came to you, I believe this is a I believe this is a day here that this young man never ever forgets. Wouldn't you agree? I still remember the day that the grace of God awoke me in my sin. I remember the day that as I went on serving myself and my pleasure and my flesh. <coughs> I remember the day that the grace of God woke me up and brought me to sound thinking. You know what I saw when He woke me up? When He brought me to life? When He convicted me? I saw the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, here I am wasting away in sin, pining away in my filth. And there's the Son of God who's got enough blood there's been enough ransom paid that I could be saved. Has there been enough? Is the blood sufficient? Jeremiah said this, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician? Yeah, there's balm in Gilead. Yeah, there's a doctor down there that'll apply. You know what's wrong? Man is not coming for it. That's what's wrong. But boy, the grace of God opened my eyes. And I tell you what I did. My desire, my desire which was in the hog pen before, the grace of God came, He quickened me, and my desire changed to, I just want to get back to the Father's house. The desire changed. Bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my Father. You know what He's going to do? The grace of God is going to bring about a response to that grace. Do you believe that happens? There will be a response when the grace of God appears. When Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, is he going to stay in the tomb? with all the other dead bodies. No, he's alive. There's no need in staying there anymore. When the, the lame man at the beautiful gate, when Peter gets him up, is he going to stay sitting at the gate begging? No, what held him there has been fixed. Is the blind man still going to be led around when he receives his sight? He don't need to be led anymore. He can see. I tell you, when the sinner comes to their senses by the grace of God. Are they going to stay in sin? I tell you what they're going to do. They're going to say, I need to get to the Father's house. I need to get where I can get some relief or I'm going to die in this place. I'm going to die here except I get back to the Father's. So, <clears throat> in Romans chapter 6, 
This is how Paul writes it in Romans. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So there's a question. Is it possible that we continue in sin so that grace might abound? See, the devil has spun that lie today. Man thinks, well, if you can be saved and have eternal salvation, well then why can't you just be saved and live however you want to and you'll still be saved in the end? So that's the question that's presented the apostle. And the apostle says, let me ask you one. If you were living in sin because you were dead in sin, but now the grace of God has brought you to life, how can somebody that's been brought to life continue to live in the deadness of sin? Is it possible? No, the grace of God will bring a man out of that place. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man in Christ, new creature. That's what Christ does. He changes lives. He changes hearts. He changes minds. He delivers from sin and sets in the kingdom of God. I am am no more worthy. I will arise and go to my Father and say to Him, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. You reckon there's going to be a realization of that? Boy, there's a lot of There's a lot of talk today and there's very little confession that I've failed God. Very little confession that I've sinned against God. Not only sinned against God, but against His Father as well. But God is the one that's lifted up first. I tell you what He's done. He's done wrong to God Almighty. He's done wrong to His family. He's done wrong to His friends. He's done wrong to everybody around him and he's wronged his own self. He spent all he had. He's wasted his substance. He's got nothing. Here's a young man now. He's already gotten his inheritance. He's got nothing and he's wasted it all. And so, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Ain't this how man thinks? I'm not worthy to be a son. And boy, that's a truth. There's none worthy to be a son. None worthy of salvation. None have earned it. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. But he says, make me as a hired servant. (coughs) Not a a slave that the man owns, but a a worker, somebody that labors. You know what I think is going through his mind? This is what man thinks too. He thinks, you know, I'll go and be a worker. I'll do better and I'll earn it back. I've spent all this money that was my father's. I'll go back and be a worker and I'll pay him back for all that I've cost him. And that's what man wants to do. He wants to earn it back by his deeds and by his works. But there's a problem with that. The problem is... The wages of sin is death. Not death in a grave either. If if the grave's all that there was, then I don't know what Jesus did because people are still going to the grave. Aren't they? No, there's, there's an eternal death. In the book of Revelation, as John's being revealed, the judgment of God, he sees them cast into outer darkness and the smoke of their torment ascending up forever and ever. Jesus teaches about it and He says, He calls it a furnace of fire, a place designed for burning and for torture. You can look in the next chapter and you're going to see a man that says, I'm in torture. I'm in torments in this flame. And so here is the death in hell and man thinks, well, I'm going to earn it back. But there's no way it can be earned to earn the payment for sin is to die and go to hell forever and ever and ever. You see how that is the payment for sin. It's not do five good works to one bad one. It's not. That cannot pay for sin. 
He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father ran, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, Son, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. So what's he done? Well, he's coming back now. They don't read that he's took a bath. I tell you what he is. He's as filthy as he was in a far country. He's not had a good meal. He's as hungry as he was in the far country. And he's coming and in his mind he's thinking, what am I going to say to my father? He's got it figured out. I just want to be a worker and I'll earn it all back. And that's what man wants to do towards God. But the father runs out and meets him out there before he ever gets back to the house. And the son begins his uh, rehearsed confession here. He says, Father, I'm not worthy to be a son. But the father cuts him off. Do you see that? He doesn't finish. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. God's not interested in us doing better and earning it because it can't be earned. Do you know the way man can be justified with God? To be in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. There is no righteousness outside of Christ. There's no escape of judgment outside of Christ. Well, preacher, I've wasted a whole lot. Well, I tell you what the Lord done. He gave a sacrifice that paid for more than you've ever wasted. And today the gospel of God Almighty calls. And you know what he says? All those that labor and are heavy laden. Why, preacher, I'm not heavy laden? He's not calling you then. Is he? You know who he's calling to? Them that are starving to death. Them that His grace has convicted of sin. If you would be in need, and if you would be hungry, and if you would need God today, He says, come to me all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. You know what I am? I'm a servant to Him. But boy, it's way different than the far country. There's many that's been in the way far longer than me, and they can tell you. This master, this father, oh, he's a loving father and a loving master. Bring forth the best robe, the foremost in time, order, and rank. Bring out the best that we've got in the house. You know what the Lord gave as payment for the sins of man? There was no better that could be given than the Lord No pure, no more holy, no more loving, not another one more obedient. There's not a robe better than the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, though this young man's filthy and been in sin, when he puts on that robe, you know what that is? That's a covering. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus does. It is a covering and a cleansing of sin and iniquity. A complete covering. There's not a place left that's not covered. His righteousness covers and it fulfills the Ten Commandments. His righteousness meets the standard of Almighty God. If I'm in Him, I can be accepted. As a matter of fact, he says he's made us accepted in the Beloved. Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. I just thought of another scripture in Zechariah. There's Joshua the priest. He's in filthy garments standing before the Lord and the devil is there to oppose him, to accuse him, to slander him. And the Lord says, take the clothes that's on him and cast him aside, and put on him a change of raiment. And the Lord says when he does that, I've taken, caused your iniquities to pass from you. That's what the Lord does to those that are in Christ. He cleanses away the filth that we had got ourselves in. Washes away the sin and the guilt that's there, and clothes us with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and put a ring on his hand. So you know the ring was a type 
You see that in the Old Testament a lot. That there the king had a ring with a signet. It showed his authority. It showed his position. It was his seal of ownership. It was all of those things. And the father gives the young man a ring. And when he goes to town and they say, there ain't no way he's brought you back in. There's no way he's accepted you. You went down and ruined your life in sin. I know what you've done. Can't the world say that about you? I know how you lived. I know what you've done. And you know what the Lord's give? He's give a ring. The Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of ownership. The seal of God in the New Testament. A mark of His ownership. Of His salvation for our soul. And shoes on His feet. He must have been barefoot. Most of the servants were barefoot. If you went outside to your vehicle today in your shoes and then you made the same trip barefoot, you're going to walk the same. Especially if it was gravel. We're going to walk a little different. You know what God's going to do? He's going to change the young man's walk. He has washed his sin and cleansed it He's made him right and whole. He's put on him the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah says garments of salvation. I tell you, he's closed the church in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's covered and washed away her sin. He's given the, uh, uh, the Spirit of God for our assurance and for our peace and for our uh, leadership in this world. And he's changed our walk. He's put shoes on our feet. And when the sun goes back out into the world, he's walking like a different person. You can see that picture with Jacob as well at the brook Jabbok when he wrestles with God all night long and God touches the hollow of his thigh. When Jacob comes over the brook, he's never going to walk the same again. And the Lord, when He saves a soul, They are new creatures. They never walk the same way again. Maybe that's as far as we'll go.